Pop 56 with Artie Seraf of the Fab Four. Hi, this is Paul from the Fab Four. My name's Artie Seraf, and you're listening to Pop with Ken Mills. Welcome back to Pop. I'm your host, Ken Mills, and today we have somebody who I've wanted to get on this show for a very long time. If you know anything about me at all, you know that I love the Beatles. The Beatles planted the tree that every other band and entertainment thing kind of has rested under and grew from, right? And today we have somebody who really does it well. Uh, My love does it good in this sense, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Artie Seraf. Hey, hello, everybody. Listen to Pop with Ken Mills. It is so good to finally have you here on this show, and you are part of something that I love very much. You're part of a Beatles tribute band, but it's it's so much more than that to me because you guys have really taken this where a lot of other tribute bands haven't been able to do, right? And it's, it's just fantastic. You, of course, play Paul. That's right. Well, you know, it's funny, Ken, because uh, because of Beatlemania and all the other bands that kind of started uh, the late 70s after Beatlemania and the early 80s, um, when, of course, when John Lennon was, was killed, uh, it, it, everyone started to realize that, you know what, the, the Beatles will never get back together now, obviously. So I think all the Beatle fans like ourselves and all these other people uh, well, I just wanted to pay tribute because we all love the music so much. It just it literally makes the world go round still after 50 years, you know. So I think everyone's tribute um, has a certain angle, a certain slant. Uh, everybody has their own take on it. I think our take on it is trying to be like kind of like the Bible. The, the records are the Bible to us. So for us, the devil's in the details for sure. All we've done is listen, 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 watch, 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 film ourselves. I mean, you know, we started it over 20 years ago. Uh, you know, Ron McNeil and I started it uh, you know, over 20 years ago. And I think our reputation is such that, uh, you know, people know that we're Beatle fans, first and foremost. They can tell because we at the dedication and we put into every song, as into our look, into our stage show, everything. Everything has to be detail 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 so i think that's what's kind of set us apart all these years and you know we were the only band uh that does a day in the life as a four piece you know everyone else has a a keyboard player off to the side or behind a curtain or or even on stage and to us it's just like it kind of breaks the illusion so i think we've been doing i think we got doing pretty well so far what do you think ken i think that you guys are the best beatles tribute I don't want to call it an act, but it, it's not just a band, right? It's when 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 someone sees the Fab Four, they're seeing uh, bits of a, a, a tremendous uh, live performance of great music, just stellar music, with bits of comedy and bits of history all kind of wound in there with a lot of heart, you know. And there's uh, the other gentlemen who are in the touring band. And and make no mistake, this is a touring band slash act. It's almost like a Broadway play in some ways, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, obviously there's the main cast, uh, which now uh, involves Adam Hastings, who's from England. Uh, He used to play with the Bootleg Beatles for eight, nine years, something like that. So... He's always wanted to be in the band with Gavin and I, <laughs> so according to him. So that's his story. Um, 
So Ron, you know, retired uh, basically last year, you know, to give Adam uh, the reins basically because Ron's been doing it for so long, and he wants to take a little bit of a backseat and do more creative stuff. And Ron has all these other projects as well. But yeah, in, in terms of a touring band, uh, we have Adam, you know, Gavin and Joe, Joe Bologna, Gavin Pring, and myself are the main band. And if we can mention which person each one plays, you've got Adam who plays John Lennon, Gavin yeah. who plays George Harrison, so spookly by the way, and Joe Bologna who is our Ringo for all intents and purposes. <laughs> and it's yeah. it's a fantastic show with such great presence. And right now we're going to play a song for you from Artie and the guys from the CD, The Ultimate Beatles Tribute in Concert. It's Can't Buy Me Love, the Fab Four, live. Can't buy me love, And that was the Fab Four live with Can't Buy Me Love off their album, The Ultimate Beatles Tribute in Concert. You can get it on their website at fab4.com or on Amazon or wherever finer CDs and downloads can be found. So it sounds like if the Beatles were kind of turned up just a tiny bit, not necessarily louder per se, but just an intensity that you know was there like when you'd see them live, right? Well, I would hope so. I mean, uh, so far, after all these years, I've, I've heard a lot of comments from people that actually saw the Beatles. Obviously, they never heard the Beatles when they were, if they actually saw the Beatles, <laughs> they didn't hear the Beatles, right? So uh, it's funny that uh, you get the people, you know, that saw them when they were teenagers, 
and they see us and they say after the show, oh, I saw the Beatles and you guys were just like, I'm like, oh, oh you couldn't hear us tonight? Is that what you're talking about? Is that what you mean? You couldn't hear us. Huh? But uh, yeah, I mean, we're definitely, there's a lot of artistic license in our show, of course, because you have to. First and foremost, it's entertainment. It's a show. And if we were to do what the Beatles did live, we'd be up there for 25 minutes. We'd, you know, barely talk. And there wouldn't be much of a show, you know. Obviously, we've done recreations of their concerts. Uh, we did a Hollywood Bowl set, actually at the Hollywood Bowl, you know, 16, 17 years ago, which was cool, you know. Uh, at, actually, on that same stage, the Hollywood Bowl, we did the exact same set, all the talking in between, all that stuff. So we've done recreations before. But what the Fab Four does is is an entertainment show, and we try to try to hit all the points with the new fans, that don't know all, you know, they don't know you, you can't do that, or they don't know I'll get you. They know she loves you and, and I want to hold your hand, you know, that kind of thing. So we try to get the hardcore fans, uh, the intermediate people and all the newbies, all the little kids and a lot of them that didn't grow up on the Beatles, you know. Mm -hmm. And make no mistake about this, folks. When you go to a Fab Four show, you get every era of the Beatles, including a little bit after, right? So you've got you know what what are most of your costume breakdowns like like what eras do you have there well in general uh i think the the general format for most beatles shows these days again i think it's based on what beatlemania kind of started to do you know mm -hmm. uh although they did like i don't know 12 different costume changes which is ridiculous but it, for the Broadway show that it was and the touring show that beatlemania was it worked for us we start out with the ed sullivan Black suits, you know, the white white collars with the bow ties. I know the bow ties, <laughs> the black ties. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is a cheap uh, trick. Yeah, no, not cheap trick. No, uh, sorry, Rick. Uh, but we uh, with the Cuban heels, of course, the black beetle boots, of course. And then from there, we we'll, sometimes we'll we'll throw on a shade jacket. Luckily, in the black in the black Ed Sullivan suits, you have the black pants on still. So for us. It's it's about changing the jacket, and obviously then you got changed. So there's two looks right there already. We do some some once in a while we we'll do um, uh, an offshoot of, of like a a '65 you know rubber sole slash revolver '66 look where mm -hmm. we all have kind of psychedelic stuff, but not not hippie stuff, but like you know the cool you know um, the mod uh, and rocker the mocker parts. Yeah, the mod. Yeah, yeah exactly like that kind of thing, which we've done before. Uh, and then, of course, we do Sergeant Pepper. We do the Sergeant Pepper uniforms, all those outfits with the mustaches. Uh, we have several different looks for the late periods. You know, I wear a vest a lot, as Paul did. Uh, you know, Gavin does the uh, different, all sorts of different looks, uh, with the, sometimes with a beard, sometimes without. Yeah, we, can, we basically do four, four to five different costume changes every show. Mm-hmm. And of course, you also do music beyond the Beatles, right? Because you sometimes you do like Imagine and things like that. So it's it's even bigger than just the Beatles. Yeah, um, obviously that's what people pay to see is the four Beatles and the, those songs that they created together. But there is room to throw in some solo material, and you know we do Imagine in the show, not because it's a Beatles song, but because John Lennon that was his anthem and. Uh, there's a, there's poignant moments in our show like that, that we say a little something about John and what he meant to everybody. 
And that song kind of sums it up, you know. So after that, there's not a dry eye in the house, you know, at that point. Mm -hmm. And then it allows uh, Gavin as George Harrison to do everything from uh, My Sweet Lord to an acoustic uh, version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps and stuff like that, right? So, Yeah. Once in a while, we throw that stuff in. Yeah, we've done, like, maybe I'm amazed before in a yeah. before show. Um, we have done, we've done solo Beatles shows. Uh, interspliced with Fat Four shows, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of cool. So there's, there's so much catalog, you know. After the Beatles, uh, each individual Beatle, obviously, I think Paul was obviously the most commercially successful. George, I think, uh, was, was right in there too, especially after Cloud Nine in the '80s. Mm -hmm. um, I think he kind of hit his success then. And even Ringo, I mean, no one expected him to have the career he had, right? Everybody wrote him off early on, and he was the most successful right out the gate. Yeah, he was doing movies. You know, who who would have thought he'd be, you know, doing all these movies? Peter Sellers, uh, he did Caveman. He met mm -hmm. his future wife. Yeah, I think Ringo, Ringo's, Ringo's Ringo, and he's he's a uh, he's a multiple faceted artist you know he can he can act he can sing he can play he can kind of dance i suppose but uh you know who's got gotta love ringo absolutely and uh you also have another secret weapon a fifth member of the band that, that comes up on the stage and i know that you look at the crew as the band in a sense because i know sometimes it is the band in the sense that your understudies are sometimes working the crew and stuff like that this is a huge production right but you've got this amazing member that we haven't mentioned yet, and he's so important to the show. He's so funny, and I'd like to give a shout-out to your Ed Sullivan. What's his name? George Trillinger. Yes, he is amazingly funny. He has tremendous comedic timing, just amazing comedic timing, and a really nice guy as well. And uh, we got to meet you guys in St. Louis. It was fantastic, and... It was it was interesting to see you without the various wigs and costumes and all that, right? Because you're used to seeing you on YouTube or AXS TV, whether it's for the Beatles show or the Wings show, you know, things like that. But it's it's really interesting. I, I guess you want to have shorter hair if you're going to be wearing wigs, right? Does it help? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it sure does help. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know. Uh, that's the beauty of of wearing the wigs. They're the same every single night. You know, then. I can go out after a show if it's a casino and kind of mingle with people and they don't have any idea who I, who I am. They might have seen the show. Most of the time they just came out, come out watching the show and they're sitting having a drink and a couple of the other guys and I will come in and they have no idea, which is kind of cool. So once in a while we'll hear people talking about the show, how much they despised it. I mean, how much they loved it. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Well, it's kind of like a kiss thing, right? That's right. That's right. It is like a kiss thing. Yeah, how they were able to go out and be regular mortals. Not quite ordinary, but, you know. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> I would like to talk a bit about who you are and how you got to where you are. But first, I'd like you to play a song. Could you perform something for us uh, from the Beatles? Well, I got my guitar here. How about, uh, how about Blackbird from the White Album? Ah, love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Artie Seraph with Blackbird. Two, three, four. Blackbirds sing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. 
You were only waiting for this moment to rise Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the light of a dark black night Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the light of a dark black night Blackbird singing in the dead of Take these sunken eyes and learn to see mm -hmm. All your life You are only waiting for this moment to rise You are only waiting for this moment to rise You are only waiting for this moment to rise that was excellent. Thank you so much for playing that. And live right before your naked, steaming ears, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you can only get that right here. Or at a Fab Four show, right? That's right. That's right. That one we rarely play, too. That's not one we do every night. I love how when you're doing Yesterday, you have this spot. And I don't want to totally give it away, but you'll always lead the audience. You'll zigzag the audience. You know the moment I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I sure do. And uh, sure it's, it's interesting how many songs can sound like yesterday. That's all I'm going to say. I'll let you folks figure it out when you go to see the Fab Four Live. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about you, your musical background, how you became who you are, and how you wound up being Paul McCartney, of all people. <laughs> well, Where does it all see, start to, for you? To me, it all started, I think, when... Uh, going to church with my mom i began singing in the church choir the kids choir mm -hmm. toured around like locally in the california different churches and just singing my mom was a singer uh, from her time teenager and she had some friends from high school that she would go around and sing in a quartet different various churches so i grew up in the church in that way um singing choir so after listening to my mom's records, it started, I started getting in on her Everly Brothers records, her Elvis records. But you know what? After I got my mom's Everly records out and stuff, Kiss were really big at the time, actually. So mm. Kiss was my first Beatles. They were my first Beatles. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I fell in love with, with the images and the songs and, and listening to, you know, <laughs> Detroit Rock City and all, all the first Deuce you know, then Beth off a of Destroyer. I mean, as a kid, they just blew my mind. They absolutely blew my mind. I mean, I actually stopped going to a Halloween party one night because they were appearing on a, a TV show. Mm -hmm. I, I forgot what show it was, but I, I didn't go to the party because I wanted to stay home and watch them on TV. So I remember that. So the Kiss were my first Beatles. And I gradually moved on to listening to other classic rock, you know, Foreigner and mm -hmm. Zeppelin. Queen was a big influence for me. All sorts of bands. Eagles, you know, I kind of grew up in that era. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it just 
it just kept going. And then all of a sudden, John Lennon was in the news for an uh, obvious, awful reason when he was killed. And I, I was asking everybody, who's who was this guy? You know, who were they? And I obviously found out he was in the Beatles. And OK, why is everybody so sad though, that he's, he's gone? And I started listening to the Rat album and looking at the lyrics and the old LPs, the big albums, vinyl records. And going, oh my gosh, this stuff is this is amazing, you know. This this is me listening to it, you know, over twenty years later, uh, almost. And basically, what happened was I, I just started listening and fell in love. And then um, I met some of the guys, uh, like Rolo Sandoval, who was a drummer with another band, Beatle Band, at a Beatle convention called Beatle Fest. And this was in Los Angeles at the Bonaventure Hotel, and through him, I met Ron, and long story short, we all talked about forming a group together. So that's kind of where the Fab Four came from. So how did you get stuck with Paul? I mean, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying is like you, you kind of looked at John Lennon early on. How did you wind up, instead of like trying to do the John Lennon part, what made it so that you were – the Paul McCartney, because a lot of people don't realize this, but your dedication to this is, is you're, you're a right-hander, right? So you play right-handed guitar, but for this gig, you learned how to play bass like Paul McCartney with your left hand. Correcto. Correcto. Yeah. I mean, I had to, that's what I was talking about earlier with the devils in the details. There's, I was not going to get up on stage and actually try to make the best band that I would want to see, you know, I've seen lots of Beatle bands and there's never anybody that really blew me away. Like, Oh, that's, that was incredible. You know, at that time there were a lot of guys that were playing right-handed, which is fine. It's just great. They sound great and everything. But to me, it, that's part of the look. You have mm -hmm. to have John, John over on the right. You have George and Paul sharing a microphone with their guitar next, making a V going out. It's just, it's iconic. You know, that look is iconic. So um, for me, it was a no-brainer. You have to do it. So I trained myself up for months, playing left-handed, one song at a time, one riff at a time, until it became more proficient. So, yeah, that, that's uh, kind of what I had to do. Well, as somebody who's a bit of a bass player, it's hard enough to play some of those Paul McCartney things, especially singing on top of it, you know, because Paul didn't do himself any favors with some of this stuff. He's, you know, Dear Sora, Madam, Will You Read My Book? And he's boom, 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 all over the place, right, while he's doing that. It's not just pound, yeah. pound, 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 like ACDC, just ride the right. A, right? There's something going on, a lot of hopping around. I'm amazed you could learn it. Seriously, my hat's off to you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, well, I appreciate it. You know, that's that's who I do it for. I do it for the Beatles fans. And, and, I, and I also do it for myself. Like I said, I wanted to give myself a challenge and uh, do the best I can with it. So when you first started out uh, wanting to play, what was it? That, which instrument did you start with? Believe it or not, and this is no joke, uh, I actually started with an, a trumpet. <laughs> mm. I started playing the trumpet. Um, I had a, my, one of my brothers, my older brother, was playing accordion right before that. And I remember a, a, a high school band came to my elementary school when I was, you know, I don't know how old I was, maybe fourth grade, fifth grade. And they came and played at a horn section. I'm like, oh, God, that sounds so cool. But then, of course, you, you know, once I began listening to bands that sing, 
and like that's what I was gravitating towards Kiss and all these other bands. Like, oh wait, I can't, I can't sing and play trumpet. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess you can if you're Louis Armstrong or something, but that's not what I was. I wasn't going for jazz, you know. I was going for rock and roll. And even if you're a huge Chicago fan, you're not going to carry a trumpet say. around and go, I was walking down the street one day. You know, it doesn't right. work at a party. You don't pick up girls that way. I was just about to mention Chicago for sure. Absolutely. Same exact thing. You know, it's like rock and roll to me is uh, guitar, bass, drums, and some piano, keyboards, whatever you have. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so trumpet started that, and then I traded it in for a uh, – a nylon string Yamaha guitar, believe it or not. A nylon mm. string. So I was those big fat necks, you know, trying to get my, my little hands across um, was a mistake. I should have gotten a regular guitar. But for some reason, I chose a nylon string Yamaha guitar. So that that didn't help. That was actually kind of difficult. Those things are like two by fours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> too too much neck. for me. Yeah. Yeah. So then it, was it because of the Beatles that you decided to try bass or, you know, was it to be part of this? I think so. Yeah, because I had a lot of guitar friends in high school and growing up that they always wanted to, you know, mess around with playing, you know, hot-blooded and whatever, you know, those kind of songs. And I go, oh, I could play bass to that. I can learn that, you know. Right. And then I started singing like that. I realized I had a high, I don't know if I'm a tenor, I guess I'm a tenor, Um a high range you know i could sing zeppelin stuff certain stuff i could sing foreigner i could sing queen stuff certain stuff i could sing mccarty stuff um so i realized i had like kind of a rock and roll ish kind of voice that is kind of suited to do a whole bunch of different stuff so uh real you know speaking of chicago chicago too and peter satara you know mm-hmm. that high pitched stuff he sang and played bass too so had a lot of inspirations for sure and realized i can do it kind of effortless, effortlessly for the most part. It was kind of my range already, you know. Now, if people want to hear you talk about KISS, they're going to have to wait to check out the podcast, our other show, where you and I are going to go deep into your love of all things KISS. Ooh! And, and your collection of guitars and everything and your experiences with uh, KISS and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, one of the things about you guys being out in Hollywood is you kind of are the show business's Beatle tribute band, right? If there's a corporate function out there or uh, you're playing, you know, for a rock star or a movie star, you guys get the call. Yeah, or for a movie, you know, soundtrack or or a video game. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's been, we've been lucky to have, uh, you know, those kind of connections in town. I mean, we've played with, with John Fogarty because uh, his we played for his producer um, Bob Clearmountain years mm-hmm. ago on the Santa Monica Pier. So John Fogarty came up and played with us. We did Bad Moon Rising with him and Fogarty. That's another guy I haven't mentioned. Creedence Clearwater Revival. I mean, that's my God. He's one of my all-time idols for the mm-hmm. stuff that he wrote and what he sang and, and what he contributed to rock and roll. Uh, so that was a thrill and. I'll save the kiss story if we do a kiss pot. I'll say I got a, I got some good kiss stories for you. Excellent. But uh, yeah, able to able to do a lot of different events for a lot of different idols, musical idols, and a lot of movie stars and that. Which is nice to meet some people, comedians and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We do get hired quite a bit for that kind of function, which is always fun. And you mentioned video games. You want to talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, uh, it's past. It's been, gosh, nine nine oh nine. I think yep. some Beatles people remember. Nine nine oh nine was when the Beatles rock band game came out, and we were a huge part of that. We did the motion capture for the majority of that um, game. <laughs> it's kind of funny looking at it now. Uh, all those moves that that the Beatles are doing in that game are us. That's us doing all those movements. I remember distinctly. They flew us to New York. And we spent a couple days there doing the motion capture for that, um, which was kind of cool. So we did that. And we've also done, uh, unfortunately, we did a um, Yellow Submarine remake. It was Robert Zemeckis who did, you know, Back to the Future and all these great movies he directed. He was doing an updated version of Yellow Submarine. It was going to coincide for the release of Yellow Submarine at some point, an anniversary. Mm-hmm. And he was doing it digitally, and we were in motion capture suits for that as well, filming out in near Santa Monica, actually, at a studio out there for, gosh, I think it was a week and a half almost. And unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't surface because um, the funding got pulled because of some problems they were having with a couple of the other movies they had released. So the funding... And Disney were having their issues with it, unfortunately. So it's really a bummer because they were showing us the different concept art, uh, how it looked. And a guy named Doug Chang, who did the Star Wars prequels, all mm-hmm. all that stuff, uh, visually, he was working on Yellow Submarine. Uh, and so he they were showing us what the submarine looked like inside. It was just what the Beatles each looked like. It was mind-blowing. And it's just a shame that it just had to be you know, canned. But we were involved with that, which was cool. I noticed you're being very punny today. You said the yellow submarine didn't surface, and you just said revolving into yeah. that. So I'm on to you. Yeah. I'm on to you. But you know, you now go. that uh, Disney is working with the Beatles, now who knows? You know, who knows? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll, they'll. I mean, they have all that footage that we shot, and uh, it's definitely uncompleted. You know, maybe the maybe at some point, maybe. It, it, like I said, it would be a shame for it not to come out at some point. Yeah. It would be nice to see. Uh, to me, I would love that to take, you know, new visuals. Oh, it, it just it could been be insane. amazing. It, it looked it looked amazing for any Beatle fan. It would have it, it was mind blowing for us when they showed us the pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought us into a room and Robert Zemeckis and Doug Chang were there with the pictures and uh, just it was crazy. Really crazy. Wow. What might have been and what may uh be. Yeah. Uh, you guys even did a Christmas album. We did. We did a Christmas album, which was basically done uh, through a small label called Laser Light years ago. It no longer exists, but it was basically done uh, traditional Christmas songs with the flair of the Beatles thrown in there. So uh, if you have a track there, Ken, I'm sure you want mine to play one at some point. Give them a tease. Mm-hmm. But we basically threw in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer combined with I Saw Stand in there. And uh, we made it work. And that was basically all of Ron McNeil's brainchild. Fantastic stuff. Here's a mix of some of what is on this Christmas album, which is still available on the Fab Four website and available on Amazon and whenever finer music is sold or downloaded. One, two, three, five!
website at fabfort.com or on Amazon or wherever finer CDs and downloads can be found. When you guys did the PBS concert, you guys put this CD out at the same time, right? We did. Yeah, there, there's a there's a live concert uh, CD that we have as well that we still sell online and that shows. Well, there's the PBS broadcast one and there's another live one which has mm-hmm. uh, recordings from Disneyland when we played at Disneyland years ago because mm. we used to be a staple there. We used to play there every month. Um, so there's, there's, there's a couple CDs coming up. We're always looking to forward, looking forward to doing other projects, maybe even a original album combining the Fab Four members because we all write songs. Mm-hmm. So there's a possibility of that down the road as well. Looking forward to that. Off of this album, you can get on the fab4.com. It's the Fab Four Live, one of my favorite songs. All right.
And that was the Fab Four live with eight days a week from their CD, The Ultimate Beatles Tributing Concert. Get it at fab4.com or anywhere CDs and downloads are sold. Now, right now we're at a break in, in, in our society. We're at a break in our world where uh, we're all staying in at home. And this is one of the way- reasons I got to interview because you guys are on the road like all of the time. I think you and Cheap Trick are the two hardest working bands. Like you are road dogs that never take time off. I don't doubt it. I mean, you know, that's exactly it. Unlike most bands that go out for you know, two or three months, summertime or whatever, we don't do that. We're, uh, we, we call ourselves weekend warriors mm-hmm. and uh, come out and play. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we do. You know, we tour, we go, we're usually, usually, aside from this lockdown, we're usually gone three days every week on the road. Mm. come back home so it's a good mix of being home and a good mix of being on the road you're on the road you miss home you're at home too much you miss the road so it's always been a good mix after years and years and years so we're hoping to get back and hopefully the world and the country recovers from all this and everybody can go back to entertainment because obviously the entertainment industry has been hit really really hard right now mm-hmm. us you know as sports a theater all sorts of people have been affected by this so we're hoping to get back out there soon and and, and uh, take that mantle up again with cheap trick mm-hmm. there you go and of course during this time you've had another luxury uh not only have you been going live i think every monday you've been putting on shows and uh, storytelling type things and uh, uh, live videos on your Facebook feed, but you've actually been able for the first time in a very long time to have been able to grow a beard and you've dubbed it, let it beard, right? That's right. Hashtag <laughs> let it beard. <laughs> well, you have to see it written out folks, but it's let it beard. So let it beard. That's right. You can definitely pull off that. Let it be Paul era. Well, thanks. I it, it I can't pull off the beard now, but I can pull no. off that look. Yeah, uh, yeah, it helps. That requires a bit of shaving. Yeah, that's right, man. That's right. It's absolutely right, man. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, one of the things that drives uh, the women that I live with crazy, and not in a good way, is when I do imitate the Beatles. Because I grew up imitating the Beatles from the time I was a kid. I had a really bad stuttering problem, so I'm like four years old running around we had those interview albums with the beatles oh yeah you know so how do you like america and you know well george had us very you know this that and the other thing right so the thing is is that it drives the people i live with crazy does it drive your family crazy when you pull paul out when you turn paul on uh not really. I don't. I. I kind of. I. I use my opportunities. You know. I wait for the opportunity to do it. Usually, it's. It's. Uh, if they ask for it. Usually. Yeah, I can see that. But you know, I don't know how weird this is going to sound. But I'm just going to throw it out there. Okay. Yeah. So just in the same way, I want to imitate Paul McCartney. I've always wanted to look like Paul McCartney. And I don't think that any human ever looked cooler on the planet Earth than Paul McCartney did in the movie Help. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just looked amazing. Yeah. Just looked so cool, right? Uh, it seemed like uh, I, I've always wanted to be him. And if I could look like him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
And specifically one time in that movie that I absolutely love is when he they're doing You've Got to Hide Your Love Away. And he's sitting over there on the TV rocking up and down and that girl's winking at him and all that stuff, right? And, and he's yeah. thinking, you know, if you want it, here it is. Come and get it. You know, <laughs> better luck right. next time. Right. But there's just something so cool. That to me is the ultimate and cool, right? If I could do that, I would face this problem of like never stop being Paul McCartney. I think I would keep the guys on all the time. You know what I mean? I'd be like going to the grocers like, excuse me, can I have a half a pound of ham? You know, things like that, all that nonsense. (laughs) I would drive everyone insane with it. How do you, how do you, like, is there ever a time? I I mean, I know this might sound like a really silly question because you're definitely arty and Paul is Paul and you're, it's not like you have this weird thing going on. But at some point, even if you're just doing the voices, they kind of take over on some level, like when you're hanging out with the guys, right? And you're doing the shtick. Yeah, it does. It does. It kind of creeps in there. You know, you have fun with it. And that kind of goes with uh, all the years we spent listening to the Beatles and watching Hard Day's Night and Help. Yeah, you want to be one of the gang. Yeah, the the only thing I, I did never really did I never got off on the uh, the cartoon voices that they were they had for the Beatles cartoon. I loved it. I loved the cartoons, but the voices were terrible. Yeah, never liked the cartoon voices. Like I would love to get like you guys to do those voices. I'd then I would be addicted to the cartoons. Because <laughs> I know that you know, Joe can do it better than uh, yeah on that Ringo. That was just horrible, and the John was just oh so bad. Yeah, so they all bad. they all were pretty bad. Even the the Ellis Marie movie was a slight slight improvement, but no, they still could have gone. Yeah, they could have gotten better with that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's always fun. It's fun to throw those out there, and you know, having Gavin, who's from uh, Liverpool, he's kind of a uh, an unpaid coach once in a while. But you know, I can I can I can hold my own when I, when I'm in the moment and, and I'm on stage. I can I can throw some people. I mean, I I fooled people when we, when we play in Liverpool. People ask mm-hmm. me, you can't be from California. You're not from Los Angeles. And I said, yeah, I am actually. So people hear me like when I'm doing my Monday Music Mayhems on Facebook every Monday. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking in the accent. I'm, I'm talking like myself. And a lot of people have never heard me talk in my yeah. own voice. So they're kind of like, oh, and you're playing right-handed too. Uh, you know, it's like, whoa, but that's what it is. You know, a little bit of smoke and mirror sometimes. All I can tell you is it kind of cheesed me off. I'm with these ladies, and we go backstage, and these are the women who are probably telling me on the car ride up, enough with that accent. But then Gavin starts saying, he's from Liverpool, and boom, they just, ah! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it happens every time, right? Yeah. So, like, when you decide to do Paul, because even when a person does a voice, like, you can see a change come over their demeanor, right? Oh, yeah. Like, is there anything you have to do? Like, what gets you to imitate Paul McCartney? What gets you to that point? Well, I visualize him as much as I can. Uh-huh. Uh, and for me, growing up, we, we, we were talking about the Be- the Beatles' Bible are the records. Mm-hmm. And for me, one of my Bibles was the 8-track of Hollywood Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I listened to the Hollywood Bowl as a kid, nonstop, all those tracks. I just kept hitting, you know... Uh, so Paul talking, you know, before all my loving, you know, that kind of thing. Really excited. You know, this next song was have to be our next song, and you know, it's just I think of that. I think of the Hollywood Bowl, Paul. 
maybe not as fast, you know, mm-hmm. slow it down just a little bit because I'm not at the Hollywood Bowl. I'm at a theater in Illinois for 1,500 people. Right. So I have to bring it down where they can understand me. But I, I try to visualize them. I try to visualize uh, some of the scenes in Hard Day's Night. You know, what, what, what old man? That's my grandfather. You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Try to do I, – I, I think of those moments like that to try to get me in the uh, in the moment, you know, try to convey that to people. Yeah. It's just interesting when you see somebody do an imitation, you see that metamorphosis, that slight shift that they go, okay, I'm ready now to do it. It's, it's always amazing to see that. No one does it better than Jim Carrey. Have you seen I – mean, every time Jim Carrey does – Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. When he does Clint Eastwood or he does, you know, whatever, he's just his face – literally changes to that to that person mm-hmm. it's absolutely amazing so let's talk a little bit about tribute bands and like how we got to where we are in pop culture because we are at a point where a lot of bands for for the sad of it all right just time is passing and people are getting older and what used to be hip is now breaking hips right uh, the- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 sad. But as we're seeing the rock and rollers age, uh, some of them are fading. And like, for example, even right now, Foreigner is entirely a completely different band, right? Oh, yeah. And for some reason, if it's if it's swing music, Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra can become 12 other people that were never in the original band. And it's OK for people to see that. If you're the Spinners or the Temptations or the Four Tops, you can bring in other members and nobody really gets upset about things. Right, because nobody knows the names of those guys to begin with. They weren't, you know, as popular individually. And the Temptations were, you know, uh, that's always a good example to use because it's absolutely true. I think it started with those kind of doo-wop bands. I, mm-hmm. I guess you're the Motown, so with doo-wop Motown. You know, in the 70s and 80s, they, they weren't the same bands anymore. They, you know, 10 years later, even then, they, they have three, four different guys because because people don't know those guys individually. They know them as that band, as that group. They're not even a band. They were a group of singers. So I think people's perceptions publicly were, oh, that's the Temptations. Uh, I think I know the name of the lead singer who made the hit, but I don't know the other guys. So it's so right. easy to change out. you know. But like you said, right now there's, yeah, foreigners, like maybe once in a while the the old orig- the original guitar player will, will go on stage. But it's generally, it's they're kind of tribute bands too, you know? And they put on an excellent show. We went and saw Foreigner uh, a few months ago, and it was it was an amazing show. It was fantastic. It was as good as they've ever been. It's just strange in rock and roll. We tend to hold on to our personalities a lot more, right? And it's strange that there's this thing, there's a tipping point where everything reaches. Like, I can't think of any real tribute artist until really after Elvis passed. Now, you would have things like in Las Vegas, somebody might do the songs of Frank Sinatra or the songs of Tony Bennett or whatever, but it wasn't like someone dressing up as Frank Sinatra, putting on a nose and doing the whole thing. He was just singing the songs. Right. It wasn't until two things happened, Beatlemania and Elvis passing, that it seems like culturally we got to the point where we could do tribute bands and prior to that you had things like Sean and Ah, which was a tribute to a genre and time right mm-hmm. but it wasn't the same thing as like the tribute band revolver that I first saw in Cleveland Ohio for example or other bands that we saw 
along the way up till now. But uh, you take a look at Beatlemania, and you've got the fantastic Mitch Weissman, who was another Paul. Do you guys have this, like, brotherhood? Because I know you know Mitch, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know Mitch. I, know, I don't know him well, but uh, he's come to a few shows, and he's hung out backstage with us, and um, we, we hung out. We have a good rapport. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch, without Mitch, you know, most of us wouldn't be doing what we're doing, I, I think. Because he, he was the face and brand of Beatlemania. He put his face up there with those videos that they had, the mm-hmm. commercials. I mean, that was the sell. That sold it. Mitch sold it, you know? Yeah. The rest of the band could be okay, but as long as Mitch was there, he was the anchor around what it was built. Yeah. And then there's also the thing about how available is the original product with the tribute band. For example, you have this weird monster called kiss right which is this thing that people can put makeup on and look an approximation of the thing it's a little bit easier in some ways to be a kiss tribute band member but if the gene's not right the gene's not right if the paul's not right the paul's not right and it all falls down you know what i mean and so on and so forth you gotta have yeah the first the main two guys just like you said it's the same thing for the Beatles. It's the same thing for most tribute bands. It's a Queen tribute. If, it, if the guy can't sing like Freddie, if he doesn't sound like Fred, he doesn't have to look exactly like Freddie. There's makeup and stuff that can help with that. Mm-hmm. But if the guy cannot, if, if they're not musicians in the sense of playing instruments or using their voices as instruments, if they're not capable, then it's never going to work. You have a guy that can't play bass and, and play Gene Simmons, it's not going to work. You have a guy that can't play rhythm guitar and singing like Paul Stanley, it's not going to work. He doesn't have to dance around as crazy as Paul did. And it's cool. Paul made it look cool, you know, but with the Beatles too, you got to have a strong John and Paul. It just has to, it just has to be that you just have to have a foundation. And that's the foundation. After that, then you get a good George. You got to have a great drummer, obviously someone that can keep time, but yeah, it's all, it's all about to get the main ingredients first, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, uh, do you have a favorite Beatles song to play when you do play? Ooh, in our show, you mean? Yeah, like what's one that you like look forward to every every night? Um, I'd say "Day in the Life" or or "Hey Jude," just to get the crowd going. Uh, "Day in the Life" for a different reason, just because it's such a great song in the terms of uh, what John was saying. You know, just just a poetic amazing song haunting song with the build of the orchestra and and again we do it live as a four piece the only band that does it live as a four piece that i know of that do it well as a four piece (laughs) um and then hey jude because it gets the whole crowd singing it so i think those those two songs but if you were to say what's what's my favorite beatles song all you need is love Mm -hmm. why that one just for the message, yeah, just for the message and what it said, it kind of encapsulates what the Beatles did in those, you know, eight years recording together. So I think it kind of sums it up perfectly. All you need is love. And I think that's a, there's a reason why the love show in Las Vegas at the Mirage ends with all you need is love. There's a reason. And that's the only time in that show where I felt connected to the Beatles, actually, when that, that the, these big drapes come down and you see the images of the Beatles. And it's like, oh, finally. Finally, yeah. I'm not just looking at a bunch of acrobats, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's the Beatles, there they are, and there's the song, you know. So, yeah. But there's no hiding this from me, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna out you in front of everybody. But uh, the fact that Kiss is in your DNA, it 
kind of helps you frame what you do within what you do within the Fab Four. Like, for example, the Fab Four is almost like enhanced by your love and kisses show business, if you will. And it went on in even into modern McCartney, right? He's he does some of that stuff. But oh yes, it- the way you guys use certain songs to get a certain pop at a certain time from the audience, like when you guys do Day Tripper, it takes everybody up to that fever pitch, and boom, Bob's your uncle. You got him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's different elements of stage, stage elements, not just standing in place in front of the microphone the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, that gets boring. So we switch around. We go on the other side of the stage. We, we, look, we go towards the audience when we need to. We mm-hmm. get the audience involved when we need to. Queen did that too. Queen was yes. great at doing that. Of course, mm-hmm. of course, Kiss took it to a different level with all the pyrotechnics and the, you know, uh, the hydro, hydro, hydraulic lifts and all that. Right. You know, you can't really top a Kiss show in terms of that. But Queen did basically the same kind of thing. They sat down and Freddie Mercury and Brian May played, you know, Love of My Life, just the two mm-hmm. of them with an acoustic. You know, you have to bring it down. There's there's peaks and valleys like any show, any good show should have a peak and a valley, you know, in there. And they, they were definitely great at doing that. So we try to we try to use that as a template for sure. We All those different things that we've learned over the years. You also do these things that if you're a fan and you take care, you know the best time to get the best pictures of you, right? Whether it is during Day Tripper or during like birthday when you guys all get together and do that kind of thing on stage where you're all rocking and working the crowd together. And it's yeah. just a great moment. It just It's a party. Yeah, we do that for the Sgt. Pepper's reprise too, right at the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, that's where we do that. So in in the same sense that Kiss was the uh, the Beatles on steroids, you guys are also the Beatles on steroids, you know? I think so, yeah, in some ways, without the steroids. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But it's it's, it's amped up, and it's it's a concentrated life of the Beatles. Like, it's amazing, you know, day in a life, right? It's an an incredible concentration of the, the entire workings of the Beatles, condensed into this two-hour show or whatever right and um i know that when i see you guys perform i'm often like okay what songs didn't they play you know yeah because <laughs> there's so yeah. many that just boom 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 it seems like there's 50 songs that are played and it's not that many it can't be that many but we're also dealing with some songs that were like two minutes and 30 seconds and something like that right so or three minutes or whatever right but there's so many that you get in there. It's just hit after hit after hit after hit. And then enough of a rarity that it makes you feel like, wow, I'm really glad I came to see this. I'm glad I'm part of this. And you guys have this way of reaching up into the crowd and making you feel like you're on that stage with them. You, you're, very, you're able to cut through that, that space. Seriously, it's a, it's a compliment. Oh, well, thanks. Well, we try, you know, you have to do that. Every, I think every entertainer should try to do that. Um, that's kind of the goal. You got to connect with people, you know, the audience. Yes, mm-hmm. we're not the Beatles, but the, the people want to be taken away and they want to forget about what's going on around the world for two hours. They want to remember or the Beatles. They want to just experience that pretending to be watching the Beatles. That, that's, that's, they're more than, uh, in their rights to to want to just escape to it, you know, mm-hmm. and um, that's a good escape, <laughs> especially right now. Yeah, and it, it 
to me, it, the Beatles music has always taken me to a place of joy and peace and love. And you're able to keep that going and give that back to the audience. When you go see the Fab Four, you're getting all of that and more. Everything you love about the Beatles and even some things you can't maybe verbalize, you get it. Well, thanks. Well, we appreciate it. And that's because you guys get it. Yeah, well, I think we do. I think we do. I think that's we're kind of, you know, I, I think it's okay to say I think we're kind of uh, used as a measuring stick with with tribute bands. Not just a Beatles tribute band, but like there's there's show elements that people can do that, you know, that the original band necessarily didn't do. But you have to throw those elements in there to make the audience interested and keep them interested in the show. They may love the songs, but if you're not moving around, if you're not talking to them and connecting with them in some way, you know, it, there's not that much of a connection there. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I'd like to talk about a couple little things real quick. Uh, you also do a complete McCartney set. You've been known to do the Wings tribute show, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, we used to call it Wings Band, and uh, <laughs> it had its own. It had its own show. I had a uh, a girl doing Linda playing everything of uh, the keyboards and singing live with me. Um, had a four piece horn section. Uh, had a few guys from the Fab Four on drums, uh, two guitarists and another keyboard player. And uh, yeah, we did the Access TV show, the world's greatest tribute bands, along with the Fab Four a few years ago, which was great. So we were able to do a lot of wing stuff, you know, Venus and Mars rock show live. We did the, let me roll it, you know, all the, maybe I'm amazed, uh, all, all the classic wing stuff and, and throw in some solo stuff as well. Solo material from Paul. He's just got such a huge catalog. Not everything's great, you know, because I think he, he has so many albums that it, golly, but there's always two or three on each album that are just gems. Mm -hmm. At least it's just like just classic gems, you know, to his credit, he's still going, still going strong. He's still doing his thing. And it's always great to see Paul. Like he was on this show on one world or whatever they called it. Mm -hmm. uh, that WHO charity they did on TV. That's, that mm -hmm. was really cool. So yeah, it's uh it's always a thrill. Well, why don't you thrill us all with another song? I understand you want to play, put it there for us. Yeah, that's from Flowers in the Dirt uh, from 1989, which, funny enough, it was my first time seeing Paul. I saw him at the uh, Los Angeles Forum, and I saw them do this song. Well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado or further don't, here's Artie with Put It There. If there 
there's a fight I'd like to fix it I hate to see things go so wrong The darkest night All this mixed emotions is getting light and sing along Put it there If it weighs a ton That's what a father said To his younger son I don't care If it weighs a ton As long as you and I are here Put it there Long as you and I are here Put it there fantastic version thank you so much for for playing for everybody today and you know f folks can check you out on all the social medias do you want to tell people where they can find you and the fab four on all the socials absolutely you can find us the fab com is the main one obviously you can find us at facebook and instagram fab four band on instagram you can find me on facebook as well also at fab r21 on instagram F-A-B-A-R-D-21. But uh, find us on YouTube, a whole bunch of YouTube clips, uh, millions actually, millions of uh, hits on one in particular show so people could really enjoy the full show uh, from a Burbank uh, show that we did a few years ago. It's uploaded, I think, almost 10 million hits by now, which is not a lot in, the, in terms of YouTube, but for a tribute band, it's quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's a great show. Plus, you can also see the PBS show that you guys were on, and it's it's just a nice way to see you until they can see you, right? Absolutely. Keep it going until we can keep it going. <laughs> That's right. So we look forward to seeing you and the Fab Four out on the road, and you know you could get the guys together, and maybe all of you could just do it in the road, right? Why don't we do? It? Anyway, sorry. That's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I want to thank you for coming on and being on Pop today where we talked about tribute bands and about your personal history and what it takes to make a good tribute band. It's it's amazing what you do. I love what you do. I'm a big fan and uh, glad to know you guys and uh, proud to know you guys. Well, thanks, Ken. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope we, uh, you had a good almost hour of uh, information. and. All we do, we do it for the love of the music. We do it for the love of John, Paul, George, and Ringo. And that's really where our hearts are. You know, we try to pay respectful tribute to them every time we get up on that stage because that's, that's, that's a huge burden, you know, and we don't want to, we don't want to disappoint them <laughs> for sure. So thanks for having me. The pleasure is all mine, Artie, and we hope to have some of your fellow Fab Four band members come on here and do the show as well. So that would be cool. And speaking of your fellow Fab Four band members, you guys did something really cool this weekend. You did a live version of Here Comes the Sun. So here we are, the Fab Four, live from all different corners of the world. For you, Here Comes the Sun. This made me smile. I hope it makes you smile as well. Love, peace, and love. We'll see you on the next episode of Pop. Say, see you, Artie. See you, Artie. <laughs> see you, Ken. <laughs> Hi, everyone in Facebook and Instagram world. How are you doing? I know you haven't seen us for a while, and we haven't seen you for a while, but I'm going to be performing a song for you. Uh, with the help of my little friends, hopefully. They're not that little. Some of them are six foot tall. But uh, we're going to be performing a, a, a George song for you. And uh, just to let you know that it's a long, cold, lonely winter. But soon the sun will be here and everyone will be out enjoying themselves. Uh, we can't wait to see you on the road. Take care. Hello from me.
Take care, guys. See you soon. That's our show. Pop is an online nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. <laughs> <laughs>